So Ting. So Mike. <laughs> I have a food challenge for you. Okay. Was having a bit of a difficult day at work. Like every day. Like every day, <laughs> yeah. Decided to go buy some snacks. For a change. And went to 7-Eleven. Bought some delicious deluxe durian and coconut juice. Although, unfortunately for you, I actually already drank all of that. Because it was really tasty. <laughs> it was delicious, yeah. If you like durian, it was okay. But luckily for you, I still have some delicious strawberry-flavoured crisps. Seriously? Seriously. So, Lay's potato crisps. If you're from the UK, Lay's are Walkers. They're actually the same company. The but, same logo. Yeah. In the rest of the world, they're called Lay's. So, I have some strawberry-flavoured Lay's here. The packaging is very pink. The packaging, the packaging is very pink. It's got strawberries, it's got potatoes, and it's got a little heart on it. Oh. So what's wrong with them? You're about to find out. You have had quite a bit. I was offering them around the office because I was raised not to waste food. Oh. It's like bubblegum flavour. That's the problem. This is very bad. <laughs> so how would you describe them? It's like ready salted crisps with the popping candy on it. Without well, obviously it's not popping, but this the the taste is the same. If you choose for it quickly, it's not sweet. It's just sad because they're like ready salted crisps, which are delicious, but they have just put on this horrible artificial strawberry dust. Exactly. It's literally like you took strawberry milkshake powder, except less palatable somehow, and just sprinkled it on top of ready salted crisps. Is it a winning combination? No. Never again. Have you ever come across someone who likes salted and sweet popcorn together? Isn't this a thing? It's quite an alright thing, isn't it? Have you had it? No, I'm... just no. My wife is perfect in almost every way, except that she likes sweet and salt popcorn together. I think it would probably be fine. It's not fine. It's not fine? No, it's not. I do like... Do you remember they used to do pretzel twists? Is that what they called them? You know, they had the, the salty pretzels covered in chocolate. They were good. That would be good. Oh, okay, so that's acceptable. Yeah, but I'm going in with the expectation of sweet popcorn, but yet there's always the fear. The fear you're going to get some horrible, salty nugget. Yeah. That was less exciting than I thought it would be. Why? What did others think then? What did others think? Everyone was just like, tried one, and they just made a face. They just made this face. I'm disappointed by your reaction. I thought it would be more retching. It's not that bad. It is really salted crisps at the end of the day. <laughs> There's just something wrong with it. I don't think you appreciate how much I like crisps. <laughs> so okay so you can take these home with you you're welcome to them i could have them yeah it wouldn't be a chore <laughs> bring them back for april maybe she'll like them you like sweet and salty things yeah are you ready to move on yes i am 
We apologize for the following errors in the previous episode. It's podcast errata. Errors plural. Actually, there's only one error. There's only one error we know about. Fortnite is not available on Android. So you can't play it on your toaster. You can't even play it on your Samsung Galaxy S8. Yet. So it seems that it is being released later this year. And controversially, maybe not through the Play Store. So I was wrong about that. Lost Levels Club apologises for this factual inaccuracy. Is that a British apology? It's a, I don't know, is it a British newspaper apology? Is it a, is it a Daily Mail apology? I in, hope not. In keeping with the next item. What is the next item? Next item is listener feedback. Woo! So we have listener feedback. Quite fierce feedback, I felt. From Kevin. Thanks for feeding back. So Kevin's feedback. Do you guys really believe in crossplay? It simply has no place in competitive games. Come on, you guys aren't that casual to know that for sure. Shaking my head. Hmm. Is that the correct way to read that sentence? The problem with Kevin's statement is there's no punctuation, so you just read it as quick as possible. Okay. Reading Kevin's statement as quick as possible. Do you guys really believe in crossplay? It simply has no place in competitive games. Come on, you guys aren't that casual to know for sure. Shaking my head. That sounds about right. Okay. Kevin's feedback continues. Also, I was a little disappointed with the headline reaction thing. I don't think you guys have a proper debate on something by hearing an attention-grabbing headline. It was a very Daily Mail standard discussion. Daily Mail standard discussion. What do you think about that? It's like a knife to the heart. Actually, I'm kidding. Did you know my parents used to buy the Daily Mail? Do they still? No, because my younger sister was like, Mom, you can't buy the Daily Mail. That's the Daily Nazi. And she made her buy the Guardian. Hold on your sister. Hold on my sister. Weren't you going to fire back with, this is rapid fire? This is rapid fire. Rapid fire. Dear Kevin, I'm sorry you didn't like our rapid fire news section. To be honest, I mostly wanted it as an excuse to use the pew pew sound effect. I think he has a point. Just to throw it out there, I'm not so happy with the casualness, but it is rapid fire, Kevin. Pew, 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 pew. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. We're a book club for games. And today we are... Hurrah. 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 How British. <laughs> Hurrah. Hurrah. Okay. So what is the podcast game today? Pray. The 2006 game? No. Prey, 2017. Spoilers for Prey? Spoilers for Prey, as far as Ting managed to get, which was not the checkpoint we agreed last time. In your defence, this game was much longer than we expected. We looked at how long to beat, and we looked at the main number, which was... 15 hours-ish. We probably should have looked at main plus or 100%, which are 27 and 43 hours, respectively. Since I think we are both playing in a relatively completionist way. Yes. And it has just taken us way longer to get to the checkpoint. So I did get to the checkpoint, which was to finish Restore from Backup. 
it took me 17 hours and 5 minutes, according to my save file. How far did you manage to get? I got halfway through Detour. I don't, I don't even know how far through Detour I am. I got to Guts. And that took you... 12 hours and 10 minutes. So, you did actually play the amount of hours that we thought it would take to get halfway through the game. Yes. Or beyond it, in fact, because we thought it would be about eight hours. How am I pacing? Am I pacing about the same as you? I think you probably are. Okay. Hey-ho. So, back on topic. Spoilers. Spoilers for Prey 2017. Up to when you get to Guts in the mission Detour. So what do you think of it? I think it's really good. Well, actually, I kind of knew I would like it. I had actually already bought it in the Christmas Steam sale. So the way I would characterise it is if you were to make System Shock 2, but with today's game design sensibilities, Prey is what you'd end up with. Because if you think... A game like System Shock 2 where you had freedom to roam this spaceship and you had these RPG elements, but it was very granular and kind of obtuse with these different kind of XP points or nanites and scientific research and whatever. And Prey kind of takes all those elements and streamlines them, but not in the offensive dumbing down sense. Not in the invisible war sense. Quite. So... You've got research with a psychoscope. You've got levelling up in the form of these neuromods. You've got an actual inventory that you can kind of Tetris items into, which I always like. Did you not just end up auto-sorting, though? Yeah, all the time. But the fact that there's an actual inventory and not as like, you have 10 slots for items. No, things take up different amounts of space. So I thought it was really good. How about you? I compared it to Bioshock, but now you... When you mention research, it really does follow a template, doesn't it? Well, Bioshock has research too. Bioshock literally has the research camera. Is it too formulaic? It's funny you should say that because you are right. This is the sort of game where if you had to predict what I would say, there's a very high chance I would say, ugh, it's another Bioshock clone. I can directly relate everything in this game to something that exists in Bioshock. And in the same way that I am disparaging of Mass Effect because it's the, you know, the same template of do four missions you like in any order and then do one final mission that unlocks. I say Mass Effect, but really I mean all of the recent Bioware games. And yes, you could make exactly the same criticism about Prey, but no, Prey is very, at least Prey so far, has been very imaginative and has a really interesting and unique setting 
and makes a lot more sense than Bioshock or Deus Ex, in fact, in the sense that there aren't ventilation shafts, they're maintenance tunnels for maintaining the space station, for example. Like, everything actually, in a world-building sense, is really very good. It's very compelling. There are just so many questions. Yeah, I'm really enjoying the alternate history, but yes, there are so many questions about what's going on with that alternate history. And the station itself is... Well, there's so many questions there too. There's a lot of environmental storytelling you know there's like in your face this is the story you can read these emails you can hear these audio logs but there's also environmental storytelling about you know these items are here for a reason this body is here for a reason you can see like someone was trying to escape and they tried to you know glue up the wall and wall themselves in and they they didn't make it you know things like that so lots and lots of interesting explicit and implicit stories. Shall we have a go at summarising the story so far? Okay, since I think a common problem with our episodes and book club podcasts in general is you end up just rehashing the story. So let's... So let's rehash the story. So let's rehash the No, so to try and get that out of our system, let's try and give a very quick synopsis of the story up to the point that we got to, and then we won't go into detail about it again, except for key moments that we really liked. So, the game starts with you waking up in your apartment, and you need to go to the Transtar Tower to start your first day on the new job working with your brother doing research on neuromods. And you have just installed a neuromod into yourself. So then you're transported to Transtar Tower. By helicopter. And you're taken through some initial testing chambers. And the end of all that testing, which doctor is it? Dr. Bellamy. His coffee cup turns into a mimic and attacks him. And then... Do you black out? I think so. Just like general chaos ensues. And you start again. So you wake up in your apartment again, and it kind of all starts out the same way it did just before, like deja vu. But when you check your email, instead of there being the emails you had before, you just have a lot of emails from January that say, in danger, leave now, in danger, leave now. So you step outside of your apartment, and last time there was a technician just doing some repairs on a conduit. Now that technician is dead, and there's a wrench by them. So you pick up the wrench. Where do you go now? The only way you can go is onto your patio, but the door is jammed. So you smash the glass with a wrench and discover... It's the Truman Show. Everything's fake. And January asks you to watch a video in your executive office. Turns out you're a director. Yes. You are actually on the space station, Talos 1. You are a director of Transtar, and in the executive suites, there is a video that you recorded to yourself. You manage to get to your office. 
you watch the video, but before it finishes, the whole looking glass, which is the 3D holographic video system, shuts down. And your brother, Alex, says, I'm sorry, Morgan, I can't let you watch that. January advises you that you need to bring the looking glass system back online by going to the hardware labs. Once you've done that, you complete the video. In the video, you tell yourself to destroy the station. Well, the mimics are part of a species called Typhons, and you are concerned that the Typhons will get to Earth and wipe out all life on Earth. So you believe the only way to stop them is to destroy the station. And to do that, there are two arming keys for the station's self-destruct mechanism. One held by you and one held by your brother. But your key is destroyed? Yes. But there are fabrication plans for you to recreate the key. The key. In deep storage. And to get there, you need to go through... Well, the direct route to deep storage is the main lift, which brings you to the Arboretum, which is connected to deep storage. But the main lift is out of action, so you need to take a big detour from the main lobby, to psychotronics, to guts, to the arboretum, and finally to deep storage. And that's where we got to. Well, actually, that's where you got to, to the guts. What does guts stand for? Like gravity, utility, transport system? Tunnel? I thought it was tunnel. It's a tunnel system. Yeah, that would make more sense. Anyway, we're actually going to talk about that next episode, seeing as you haven't actually finished that section. So... We will talk up until the end of Psychotronics, when you enter Guts. And then a side mission. Because nothing's that straightforward. You come across December, who is another... Well, January is an operator that speaks with your voice and is allegedly a clone of your mental state. And then December appears to be another operator that speaks in your voice and says you need to get off the station there's an escape pod and a bug out bag that you made that contains some tools and the key to the escape pod you need to go back to the simulation labs collect this bag of stuff get the key card and escape the station so now you have two alternate paths. January telling you to self-destruct the station and December telling you to leave. And that's it. I don't know how concise that was. <laughs> concise enough. Concise enough. So... General world building stuff. Something that I didn't pick up on when I first played this game. Nor did I. Well, I think it's very natural that you wouldn't pick up on this. Because, you know, if you haven't played this game before, you don't know about any of the things that are going to unlock later. But having now got further in the game, I think the initial training section, when you get to the Transtar Tower is really clever. So your perception of it when you first get there is that 
it's like a standard controls tutorial. So they tell you, walk over to the other side of the room and push this button. Move these boxes off these pressure switches. Hide in the room. So you're thinking, okay, this is a tutorial about how to jump. This is a tutorial about how to pick up boxes. This is a tutorial about how to use stealth to crouch behind objects. But in the game world building sense, you start the day by injecting yourself with a neuromod. And the whole Deja Vu Simulation Labs thing is because they're trying to test out Typhon neuromods. So the neuromod you injected yourself with was supposed to give you a Typhon power. And so what were they expecting to happen? Well, moving quickly to the other side of the room to push a button, that would have been the phantom shift power that lets you blink. Getting the boxes off the pressure pads, that is going to be like the psychokinetic shock power that just like releases an energy blast that blows things away. And hiding in the room, well, that's the mimic power. You should turn into a chair. And that's why it's really funny when the scientists are all going, is he crouching behind the chair? You know, they're like, something's wrong. Like, what neuromod did he install this morning? I don't know. I just thought it was really clever. Like, it was a really neat way of having a controls tutorial, but also having a really good reason for it existing in-universe. No, it is really clever. It also feels quite off. Even though you don't know what's going on, you know, you, you get the impression something's off anyway. Well, the reactions of the scientists... Exactly. You know, you jump over the the pipe and push the button and they're just like okay that's a fine way to do it and you can you can tell they're thinking uh what so it already builds that sense of tension or creates tension because something's not quite not right when do you come across the terminal is that after the tests i think you do the three physical tests like the button moving the boxes and hiding behind the chair and then the last room is a personality quiz They call it the personality drift quiz. And in there, they have the trolley problem, which is a standard... I think it's a classic ethics question. Which I thought was quite neat. It's a test, putting it in the world. But there are prescribed answers that reward you with something. Well, that's later on. Okay, sorry. That's later on. I mean, this is all about personality drift, right? So... This is because there's the Deja Vu simulation labs. You're reliving the same day over and over again. And yet your answers aren't consistent. But the trolley problem in general. Is this the standard version of the trolley problem? Because <laughs> the trolley problem classically is there's a runaway train. It's heading towards five people and will kill them. You can pull a lever that causes the train to switch tracks. I say a runaway train. I suppose it's the runaway trolley because it's the trolley problem. <laughs> you can cause it to switch tracks but there's a person tied to the other track so you can basically you can do nothing and five people will die or you can do something but cause one person to die what is the ethical thing to do what is the right thing to do and then that's question one well there's a few questions but that's the first trolley problem question and then they follow up with what if there were an enormously fat man you can push onto the tracks. Instead of it being pulling a lever to kill one person instead of killing five people, you can push a man onto the tracks and kill one person to save five people. So in terms of 
people killed to save five people, it's the same. But, yes. But it feels different somehow because instead of pulling a lever and the train is killing the person, you are killing the person because you're pushing them in front of the train. And the fact that they're enormously fat, is that kind of just incidental because they have to give a rationale for why pushing the person onto the tracks will stop the train? Or is it that it's some moral judgment about enormously fat people? It's just like, uh, I don't know. I think this is actually a standard extension of the trolley problem, but I'm obviously not really a weird ethics questionnaire person, so I don't really know. And then finally? You have the option to jump onto the tracks yourself to stop the train. Is that saying that you're enormously fat? Or if you are not enormously fat, but you could still stop the train by jumping onto the tracks, then why did you have to say the other guy was enormously fat? Because you have biases. Because you are fattest. <laughs> what? <laughs> don't, don't put this on me, Tingothy. I thought the questions would present some sort of inconsistency in your logic. Not your logic, but my logic. But it doesn't really do that thinking about it now. Really? Yeah. What did you do? You always killed the one person to save. Yeah. And... And hopefully myself. So, so wait, for the last one, did you push the guy or did you jump in front of the train yourself? That's easy. I always jump. jump. Really? Yes. Oh, you're so noble. My life's not that great. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Fascinating insight. I think I actually said do nothing for the last one. I was just like, oh, ethics overload. The looking glass technology. I thought this was cool. I really liked that it was... Well, they do a lot of really cool stuff with it. So it's not like a portal to another space. It's literally a flat plane, but it's rendering obviously like a 3D spatial hologram. So it looks like it's a portal into another place. And so I think you don't quite appreciate the whole repercussions of it at first. Well, actually, no, you really should do because your whole apartment is looking glass. Like the way they fake your apartment into thinking that, you know, you're in a real place and there's like birds or whatever outside is because your window is looking glass tech. So yeah, it's really smart. And there's lots of other fake bits later on as well, where you'll see like, you know, what looks like an aquarium and you know, and then you'll be like, oh, I wonder what happens if I smash the glass? Like, are they going to render the water pouring out? But no, they're smarter than that. They've thought ahead. And actually, the aquarium is a looking glass screen. So when you smash it, there's just an empty space behind it. What is looking glass? What is looking glass? What do you mean? How would you describe? How would you describe it? Well, it just looks like a window. It just looks like glass that has physical space behind it. But it's literally a 2D plane. So in game, it's literally just rendering... I mean, in-game, the implementation is probably similar to, like, Portal. Or a portal. But it's just, it happens to be one that you can't walk through. I mean, I thought it might be some homage to the 2006 Prey, because that was all about portals. And that had lots of very clever tricks about going through a portal and becoming different sizes or seeing things through a portal and stuff. I mean, I never actually played the whole game of Prey, I only played the demo, but the demo certainly had a lot of portal elements in it also with the looking glass name i thought was quite a neat reference to looking glass studios and looking glass studios were the company that made thief and system shock which are two of the original immersive sim games are there people from looking glass who work at arcane like is there actual lineage from or is it 
also just an homage. I don't know. Me neither. What's the lobby or foyer that you first enter? I think they call it the lobby. And there's like a exhibit there? Yes, like the history of Transtar. Exactly. And it starts telling you about the alternate history. Yeah, they mention that after Kennedy's assassination was thwarted and, you know, doubling down on space. And then there's also other funny references in books where they talk about what if America had gone to war in Vietnam, would communism have fallen? Since in this alternate history, clearly, the US didn't go to war in Vietnam and that had various repercussions. Though one of which is that its space technology is vastly more advanced. You had something to say about the space station itself. I just think the look of the space station was really, I don't know, it's very art deco. Not that much. No, it's got like really bold fixtures and curves and like kind of brass fittings. And it's, it's very reminiscent of Bioshock, which is another very art deco. If that's the standard, then Talos 1 doesn't hit that. No? No. Bioshock dolls up to 11. I don't know. I personally felt it was quite art deco. It is. But it's subtle. Even like the artwork and the posters and things are quite, you know, they are all evocative of that kind of style. Definitely. You mentioned free roam in the areas. Well, the other thing that I wasn't sure about, but that has turned out to be true, was what makes this an evolution of System Shock more than an evolution of Deus Ex, what makes this different to Arcane's other immersive sim series, Dishonored? Dishonored is actually very level-based. You get dropped in a space, you have to complete an assassination and get out. Whereas this is literally just a working space you can explore. It's a space station and the different sections of the space station all have a purpose. You start out in the simulation labs and their purpose is to keep you thinking that you're reliving the same day over and over again so they can test out neuromods. There's psychotronics where they do research on neuromods and on typhons. There's the hardware labs where they build new technology. There's the guts where they can move large things around the station in zero G. There's the arboretum, which is producing oxygen. You know, all these different areas of the space station have a purpose and it's not like a level-based thing where you go to one and you take the elevator to the next level and you can't go back. No, you can just do what you like in the space station. You can't go everywhere at first because certain areas are locked down, you need key cards, you need to restore power to something, I don't know. But eventually you can go anywhere you like. And I don't know, I just think it's really powerful. It's kind of like what I was saying about like, what would I like from Cyberpunk 2077? I was thinking, oh, an immersive sim, but in a free worming world. And that's kind of what you've got here. I mean, I really liked System Shock 2 as a setting. I really liked the world building in that because that also had a very interesting backstory and lore. And I really liked the fact you could just go anywhere, which is exactly what you can do in Prey. What I didn't like about System Shock 2, and that just meant I just couldn't handle it, were infinitely respawning enemies 
it was just really hard, or at least it was too hard for me at the time. Whereas Prey, as I said, has been kind of streamlined. It doesn't have infinitely respawning enemies as far as I know. So I can feel safe. I can just go and kill everything and then I can explore the area at my leisure. I don't know. I'm just really enjoying it. So you've been very particular in your exploration and you managed to find a very dark area of the space station. Okay, well, this is too much. This is just something I wanted to call out because I thought it was really, it was another really cool world building moment. The fact that it's a really dark area of the station is almost just incidental. But there's a reference to volunteers and the volunteer quarters. And it wasn't obvious to me at the start of the game what that meant. But when you get a bit further and get to read more of the emails and learn more of the lore of, you know, the world, you learn that volunteers are part of this volunteer initiative and they are death row prisoners that have agreed to be experimented on in exchange for their sentence being commuted. So these are like serial killers and rapists and murderers and they live on the station in these volunteer quarters and just are human guinea pigs. And I was likening them to D-class personnel from this internet creepypasta archive called the SCP Wiki, which I think I've referenced before on some of these other podcast episodes. It's, it's really good, or at least some of it's really good. Some of it's just really like ham-fisted, lame writing, but some of the some of the things on this SCP Wiki are actually really imaginative horror stories. I'm not actually going to go into the details of what SCP Wiki is about because I could talk about it for half an hour alone, but it's it's a really cool site. I'll put a link to the site in. I'll put a link to one of the like classic entries. But yes, Class D personnel, like death row prisoners who are expendable. And that's how they're used in this as well. There's another moment later on that's quite interesting because... Well, actually, we'll talk about that later on. So the quarters themselves... The quarters themselves are just quite surprising because you open the door and unlike all the other areas which have been reasonably well lit, they are just pitch black. Like you can literally see nothing and you have to use your torch because the power in them is out. And it's also the first place you encounter a poltergeist which is an invisible typhoon. So you go in there, it's completely pitch black. You know, you go through, you do some stuff, and as you're making your way out, you just get attacked by something that's completely invisible as well, which is is even freakier. This does not sound fun. You didn't go there, right? No. That's why I'm asking you all these questions. Well, you don't have to go there. It's not on the critical path. But it's not even a side mission. No, I just did it because I'm ultra methodical. I really like exploring. I really like reading all the emails and getting all the lore. So I happened to be back in the simulation labs as part of the December side quest. And because I'd come back there now with better hacking skills and better repair skills and everything, I just went and tried to explore everything. A big thing about Prey are the mimics. Well, I think 
mimics are the source of many of the really classic moments in terms of jump scares. But yes, in Prey, anything could be a mimic. As poor Dr. Bellamy finds out when his coffee cup turns out to be a mimic. I think we made an offhand comment in the pre-chat last time about playing with the sound off. And playing with the sound off in Prey is probably quite counterproductive because the only warning you get that something is a mimic is this kind of clicking sound. So when you get close to something that is actually a mimic, you used to hear this clicking sound and that's your only warning that, you know, this chair, this coffee cup, this banana is about to transform in a puff of smoke into a horrible black spider monster and try and claw your face off. The only warning you get is this kind of like clicking sound before it just goes and jumps at you. But that doesn't seem like a warning. It's just, it's going to happen. You know, it's happening. It's better than nothing. It gives you a few seconds to clench your buttocks and not, you know, spray all over your chair. If there's anything I want more in my life is not a reason to clench my buttocks. (laughs) Okay. It's a very British thing to just... My buttocks are perma-clenched. They're very toned. Yeah. It's very uncomfortable down there, though. Are you playing with the sound off? Yeah, I don't hear these really? clicks. <laughs> you really things. are? Not off, but down. Okay. I do think having the sound on is actually quite terrifying. Like, all of the enemies do make very distinct noises. And... It is very useful having the sound up so you can hear when things are approaching. But the game also just plays really terrifying music all the time. It's just playing like atmospheric music and also just amping up and playing like horrible, like horror movie crescendo music constantly. So you just are always on edge. You're like, why is it playing this music? What's about to happen to me? And then you hear the clicking sound. You're like, oh, mimics in your butt. Without the music, you can play it like an action shooter. Yeah, I... (laughs) Are you creeping around? I'm creeping... We should come to that in a moment. Let's... Let's move on to how we played. So we're done with world building. Let's talk about how we played. So did you stream this? No, because the way I played is really boring. I have been crouch walking and sneaking around and then killing everything. (laughs) Boring for others, not for yourself, I hope. (laughs) not sure about not sure about that one thing boring boring to watch but 
as mentioned, I am in a state of permanent buttock clenchedness. <laughs> so you enjoy the world, the game. Do you enjoy playing it? Yeah, I do enjoy playing it. But I'm just in constant fear of death. So I'm sneaking around, but I'm not sneaking around to avoid enemies. I'm sneaking around purely to get the sneak attack critical bonus so I can hit them first. And I'm killing everything. So usually in this type of game, well, actually, no, usually in this type of game, I do the same thing. You know, usually even if you're going for a non-lethal playthrough, you'll have to try and just knock out all of the guards. But I prefer to neutralize all of the enemies so I can explore and move around at my leisure. And I'm doing exactly the same thing here. It's just that because most of the things are aliens, I'm actually just killing them because there are no repercussions for killing phantoms or mimics, etc. So in terms of our build, our spec, what have you spent your neuromods on? Or what was your first neuromod? Hacking. What was yours? Because I wasn't actually sure how free roam the game would be at that point, I actually slightly crazily made a permanent save, took hacking, tried hacking the doors I could, reloaded the save, took leverage, and moved around the things I could, reloaded the save, took repair, explored the upper floor that repair gave me access to, and then thought, leverage let me access the bathroom, that was pointless, and... You know what? I could get to the upper floor by using the glue gun. So I reloaded the save again, took hacking again, and just went with it. What do you think of the hacking minigame? There was no tutorial for it, but it was pretty self-explanatory. I find it... Well, actually, we're both playing on PC, right? Yes. So I do find that my brain has a bit of like a... What? Because you know when you get to the end and you have to push a button? I find it really weird that I just... push like z x c or f my brain is not used to just like pushing those keys on demand like i'm fine pushing them like from a muscle memory standpoint but when it suddenly says push z and my brain has a little bit of a freak out and they're like oh which finger is it oh but on the whole i don't know it's quite easy and the repercussions for getting it wrong it just gives you a little jolt and you can just do it again no 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 not the game not whether it's easy or hard but is it naff is it naff? Do you think there shouldn't be the hacking minigame at all? Well, there always is one. I quite like the Bioshock one. The Bioshock one is harder. It makes more sense. This one is... Why does that make more sense? That doesn't make more sense at all. <laughs> Maybe it's more fun. I find it more fun. Here I'm just avoiding barriers. What do you What do you use? Are you using keyboard and mouse? Yeah. So are you using WASD to get yourself there? Yes. Wait, are you using a controller? I'm using a controller. So you're playing on PC, but with controller? Yes. Interesting. What controller? PS4 controller. Do you get rumble with that? I don't know. I ignore it. I don't notice it. I just wonder, like, from a driver perspective, does it support rumble? Steam should support PS4 controllers natively now. Mmm, okay. I mean, it might support it through some, like, emulation layer or something, but I don't know whether the game will support force feedback. Uh, good question. Anyway, whatever. Neuromods. Okay, so beyond the first one, what have you gone with? Physician. 
suit modification, leverage, dismantle. Leverage? Yes. What level leverage do you have? Two. Oh. For some reason, I didn't go with the combat focus or the stealth ones. I think it's good that we're playing differently. And there's a chipset that lets you recover stamina quicker. A suit chipset? I think so. Okay. And conditioning? Is conditioning another one? i got to admit, I don't really know. I can take a I beating. Didn't, I didn't pick it. I can take a beating. Okay. And I'll just beat you with my wrench, and I will win. I'm pretty sure I don't have these. Have you got any Typhon powers? No. I'm saving... I know which ones I want, because I know that I can't take many. So I'm researching them still. When you say you know that you can't take many, is this because of turrets? Yes. Okay, so the turrets would say they've detected Typhon material and attack you, I think, if you have taken too many Typhon neuromods. There is a status, you know, with the radiation and then Typhon matter to tell you how much Typhon you have in your body. Oh, is there? Yeah. Okay, I don't know this. I have taken no Typhon powers. We have no intention of taking any Typhon powers. Yes. Sadly, I have nerd sniped myself. I, I was doing really well. It's like Minority Report. You know your fate, but you can change it still. No. <laughs> I, for a long time, didn't look at the achievements for this game. And I managed to resist and resist and resist. And then one day I just thought, oh, I'll just take a quick peek. It can't hurt. So I looked and then I saw that there were achievements for A, killing no humans. Well, I could have guessed that one. So I was already not killing any humans. But B, there's an achievement for doing two playthroughs. One where you take only human powers and one where you take only Typhon powers. And so I decided, hey... I'm going to do that achievement and I'm going to take only human powers. Because you have so much time in the world, Mike. So, yeah, I have inflicted, once again, a challenge on myself in order to meet achievements. For someone who claims that they don't care about achievements, I sure do inconvenience myself to get achievements. But, yes, I have taken no typhon powers and i intend to take no typhon powers seeing as i am quite far ahead of you i think i will probably get to the next checkpoint quite a long way before we record the episode so i may actually start a typhon only playthrough and just get some perspective on that i think it will probably be really hard because you've got to think you won't be able to hack anything you won't be able to repair anything well wait wait you can't take on you can't take on any human powers you can't take any human powers oh turrets are going to be a no but then you have more typhon powers to take on the turrets well you'll just be able to psychokinetically blast all of them but yeah no hacking no repair no any of that so what have i taken in what is again probably some reflection of my personality i'm playing the long game so i initially took a load of abilities that assisted in my recycling so there's a thing that gives you 20% extra materials when you recycle stuff there's a thing that gives you extra typhon matter when you kill a typhon so that's necropsy i have that one cool i did think about it a lot yeah again i just thought well i may as well take it early so i can 
start gathering extra material early on. I took the one that gives you extra materials when you kill a turret or operator as well. Whoa, 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 whoa. What, th- what is this? I think you get spare parts whenever you kill an operator. I didn't get that one. And then, since I'm obviously only taking human powers, I've just put the other ones into improving my firearms and increasing my carrying capacity, basically. Oh, and combat focus. Combat focus is my one like right-click ability, because I don't have any Typhon ones. It definitely sounds like you have a lot more Neuromods than me. Well, I'm obviously five hours further into the game than you, and I have boatloads of mats because I took all these, you know, bonus recycling stuff ones. And I can make neuromods. So I found fabrication plans for a neuromod, and there was a side quest, which I didn't even realise at the time, that lets you fabricate unlimited neuromods. So if you don't complete this side mission quest thing, if you don't find this computer that unlocks the ability to make more neuromods, I think that even if you find the plans, you can only fabricate like seven neuromods. So you found the unlimited license? Yes, for neuromods. Ah. Yeah, so whenever I feel like it, I can just make more neuromods, because I've got loads of mats. He's at it again. I've just broken the game. But I mostly actually just make pistol ammo and Q-beam ammo, because I'm mostly just sneaking up on things, activating combat focus, and then just shooting them a lot with the pistol. Pew, 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 pew. What's wrong with the shotgun? The shotgun's too close up. Okay. I surprisingly hardly ever use the shotgun. I only use the shotgun if I've run out of pistol ammo. How many pistol shots do these things take? Actually a lot. Yes. Shotgun? Just one clip. I don't know. Four shots? Four shots. Five shots. Four shots. Okay, yeah. whatever you can fit in your shotgun. Yes. How many, how, how many bullets does it need from a pistol? don't know, like 20 or something. I just like spam the button. But I've I've actually got a really good pistol. I've actually got, I mean, I think you haven't got to the point of the game where you can get it, but I have a golden pistol that does additional damage. Are you using the glue gun? Yes. It's, it's funny that we've actually hardly mentioned the glue gun, but the glue gun I feel like is a really major part of this game. Like, it's a really surprising addition to the game. Like, I was genuinely surprised when I got the glue gun because I didn't know it was in the game I'm actually only really using it for mobility so I'm using it just to climb places that I just I don't know really out of the way I'm just like screw finding this lift or whatever I'm just going to literally like stick glue balls to the wall and mantle up them so I use it for mobility a lot but I don't use it for combat so you're using pistol and the Q-beam with combat focus as my primary fighting skills yes so i'm using the glue gun then it's a shotgun stroke wrench combination the glue gun just freezes things in place yes can they attack you you know they're just they're lo- frozen temporarily okay so they do break out yes okay but at the moment it's pretty foolproof but i don't use a stun gun which is something you use well i'm only using the stun gun against operators and humans because i can't kill them when you encounter humans, which you haven't done yet. Nor will of you if, you're, if you've not got past guts. <laughs> Quite so. 
You don't even have the Q-beam, do you? Nah, that's what I've been talking to you about. I think I'm looking for a guy who has the Q-beam. I thought I would just bump into him. I don't know why I was being so optimistic about it, but I think I have to find him, you know, his tracker at a security terminal to find him. Well, you haven't finished Guts, so you might still just bump into him. I actually can't really remember where he is. Yeah, the Q-beam's a good weapon. But you said there's no stun? So you don't stun the enemy when you fire the Q-beam. They continue to attack you. Yeah, they continue to attack you, but it's a high damage weapon. But you're not melting them, it doesn't sound like. Yeah, I should probably buff the Q-beam more. I should put more weapon upgrade kits into it. But it certainly kills things faster than the pistol. I mean, in terms of my I really want them dead ranking, trivial things like mimics... Well, actually, I have so much pistol ammo now because I can fabricate it that I usually just shoot them. But to begin with, mimics, I would try and wrench. Normal things, pistol. More dangerous things, Q-beam. And if you really, really, really want it dead, spam recycler charges. Recycler charges are amazing. I actually just really like them as a concept and the effect when they go off is really cool as well. So you really go after everything, even if they've gone in the opposite direction to where you're going you'll still you never know where they're going to turn around and surprise you you so you you mark them do you do this i use the psychoscope to yeah so you always know where they are yeah but i'm gonna have to deal with them eventually so why not just deal with them now okay yeah maybe i'm mad no you're not mad you were just that's how you play games (laughs) very methodically like i just don't like being surprised i'm just gonna deal with it now like, that, how do they describe Doom? You're just, you're like the cleaner. You just have to, you're cleaning the levels of enemies. And that's what you're doing. Of everything, yeah. When I leave an area to the next area, there's no enemies left in it. It's completely clean. When you come back later on, often new enemies have spawned. And I'm just like, oh, I just cleaned this place. But that's this game for you. I mean, they do kind of, as the story is advancing... And if you do choose to revisit areas, there are often new enemies, but they kind of, they do it in a way that's in keeping with the world. Like, there'll be a weaver and there'll be more of the weird, what do they call it, coral? Yes. The typhon glowy stuff, you know, like that will have spread more and stuff. So, you know, it is in, again, it's more world building. It makes sense. We've not mentioned the exterior Or Zero-G in general. Yes. I was surprised how well done this was. Were you surprised it was in the game? The exterior, not the Zero-G. I didn't expect it. I was unaware that it was in the game. And the Zero-G six degrees of freedom movement is done very well. Like, it's genuinely six degrees of freedom. You can rotate in any axis. It's quite disorienting. I was very impressed. You can literally just like fly all around the Talos One once you go out the airlock. Did and you? I did. And you can see like dead bodies and go and investigate the dead bodies. Like I think when you first get to the lobby and you can see outside a part of the space station explodes and there's some blowout and then like a body goes like floating off into space. And when you get out of the space station, you can go and investigate that body. You know, you can go and check their inventory. So There's loads of cool stuff like that. Initially, 
I didn't want to explore too much because I thought there will be trouble ahead. And as you proceed, you notice there are things outside. There are things outside. <laughs> Ugh. I don't want anything attacking me in space. I'm already having enough trouble controlling myself, as it is. Yeah, the the very first thing I did after I got outside of the station from the hardware labs, before I had the psychoscope, I decided to explore. And I saw there's a breach, like a hull breach next to the power plant. And I decided to go and see what that was about. And then there were just a whole bunch of enemies that just said question mark, question mark, question mark. And I couldn't scan them because I didn't have a psychoscope. So I was like, what on earth are these things? I just got killed like a whole bunch of times. Did you go closer then? Yeah, I went closer to investigate. <laughs> Why? And then I, and I had my pistol with like 20 bullets because I couldn't fabricate bullets at the time, you know, like, yeah, it was tough. I was like, well, I guess I've got to use my wrench now. Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> I don't understand. I, I don't understand. Why did you engage them? Because I wanted to see what was there. I just relayed my save game. True. You fear death, but you don't fear death. I fear the unexpected. You know, it's the it's the suspense. It's like the anticipation of something bad happening. But when you know you're going to die, it's fine. It's like, well, I accept that I'm going to die. Let's just float in and go for this. Whereas when you're walking around and you think you're probably safe, but you might not be. And then something just turns into a mimic and just chews your face off. That's what freaks me out. Whereas when I can see there's some horrifying abomination of a typhoon around the corner and I decide just to walk into it to see what it's going to do to me, that's less terrifying. So how thorough have you been with the side missions? I've been doing all of the ones that I can. What does that mean? So if they come up on the list, you're doing them? Pretty much. I mean... I'm not doing them immediately. Usually I can tell that there's going to be some main story quest that's going to take me through this area. And so I'll try and do that side mission when I get to that area as part of the main quest. Some of them I have genuinely done a whole lot of backtracking for, like the Who is December side mission. I've actually finished that. So I think at the point of the game you've got to, you can go back to the simulation labs, you can try and find your you know, emergency bag and you discover that the key card is not there. And then some stuff happens with December, etc. So I am a bit further on and I actually found the key card and actually have seen an alternate ending by escaping the station. But we should talk about that next time. But yes, in general, I have done every side mission that I can. Are you being more selective? No, I am doing them all. But I don't think I'm finding as much because I'm not scouring the world methodically like you. I don't know. I think most of them you do just bump into quite a lot. Maybe I'm finding more because because I have higher level hacking and quite a lot of them are triggered by reading an email. I've noticed I've definitely missed out on two at least because I don't have the repairability. I didn't have level two repair at the time. Yeah, I do think that by taking hacking and repair, I've obviously opened up a lot more of the game. And you know, in my opinion, I don't really understand why you would take leverage. Leverage might be a gate for a few things, I guess, because I know leverage lets you open unpowered doors. So it's possible that there are some things that you can only get to with leverage. I think leverage was a mistake. Looking back, I wouldn't pick leverage again. Well, so far, I haven't found anything that I could only get to with leverage. 
There has been one part of the game that I have not been able to get to because I think the only way to get into that area is by having the mimic ability and that you mimic something very small and go through a tiny gap. And obviously, because I don't want to take any Typhon powers, I can't go into that area. But there's literally only been one area that I found that has been like that so far. Okay, so you're missing out on less. I think, yeah, I just made a mistake. I should have picked repair. I should have upgraded repair quicker. Such is life. I should have done what you did, an experiment with three choices and see what happens. You mean you should have been a crazy person? (laughs) Thorough is the word. man this is the moment we start talking about the mimics we've left this to the last section this is such a massive part of the game well this is just going to be a recounting of particularly interesting moments these are our highlights of the game so far you know i talked about me jumping onto the toilet last time because of the lizard yes i'm only jumpy because of these stupid mimics you should have the sound up and you can hear the clicking. No, I don't want to hear the clicking. <laughs> I don't really don't want to hear the clicking. I can't comprehend how why you would play these games with headphones on as well. I don't want clicking delivered right into my ear holes. And you live alone as well, of all things. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm living alone, sitting in a dark room with headphones on that I turned up to high volume. And you don't like to lock your front door, you crazy man. You're just trying to get me, like, burgled or mugged or something, right? Okay, so a few classic mimic moments. Very early on in the game, you get to the lobby, you head for the stairs, and suddenly loads of mimics just transform and attack you. Like, five or six mimics just, like, rush you. And at this point in the game, all you have is a wrench. But if you've been paying attention, you'll remember that you've just walked past a turret. So I assume you did the same thing as me, which is run away and then cower behind the turret while it deals with everything. I was worried that the turret would get overwhelmed. So I, I, I pitched in. But the turret hits you. The turret shoots you too. The turret, it's a machine thing. It's not perfect. Come on, this is 2035. I expect better. Can have autonomous cars by then. Yeah, the turret... The turrets actually are pretty dumb. If you're standing in front of a turret and it detects a mimic, it will just try and shoot through you. The turret technology is not there yet, guys. I actually really like the turrets. I was a total wuss for a large part of the game. Like Before I got combat focus and could make more pistol ammo and just generally became, you know, a killing machine, I spent the early hours of the game just carrying turrets around. I would literally like carry a turret, put it down and set it up, cautiously walk into the room to try and entice any enemies out and then go back, pick up the turret, carefully carry it a little bit further, put it down, set it up, 
rinse and repeat. Or if I found more than one turret, I would just set them up with overlapping fields of fire and slowly inch them forward. Did this work? Yeah, it worked. It it worked for a while. Once stronger enemies started appearing, like stronger phantoms, it just became not viable. Yeah, or if, if there were two phantoms, it couldn't kill them fast enough. They're just too flimsy. They are very, very flimsy. Oh man, the teleconferencing centre. I think the teleconferencing centre is one of the greatest moments in the game. It's so well done. So after you've viewed your looking glass video, the teleconferencing centre is kind of gating your access to the rest of the station. And you get a key card from January that lets you open it. So when you open it, Mimics jump through the door. Three or four. So you have to deal with them. Oh. I think I ran back and hid behind the turret in my office. And then... You think all is good. This this is like one of the greatest moments. The pistol is there. You see a pistol and you're like, oh, finally, a gun. So you go to pick up the pistol. And the pistol transforms into a mimic and bites your face off. And after you've dealt with this mimic, you walk a little bit further into the room and look around the corner, and there's the real pistol on the other side of this body. So there's, like, the body of a dead security guard, and he's got a pistol, you know, by his right arm, which is in front of you, but that's actually a mimic. And the real pistol is by his left arm on the other side of his body, which you can't see from the doorway. Genius. The two enemies in the trauma centre... I think this is okay. This is this is a quest that takes a long time to resolve about like this disappearing body. You know, there's a body. He's got some useful equipment on him or something, and you're just trying to find the location of this body to get this key card to get this something. So, as a result of this quest, I went to the trauma center. But at the time, I think all I had was the wrench, or I must have had the pistol too, but very little ammo for it. But you don't need to go in the trauma center yeah i deliberately went here because it was a side quest but the side quest is just at the terminal yeah but i saw enemies and i had to kill them because i didn't want them you know surprising me later fine yes this was this was very stupid of me so i think there are two phantoms one is a regular phantom and one was like an etheric phantom or something like one was like a fire phantom i had to reload a bunch of times and i also just burned through all of my med kits so I literally used all of my ammo. Glue gun? Glue gun's for wimps, man. I just pulled out the wrench and started wailing on him with the wrench. It was like, hit them with a the wrench, and then bring up the menu, use a med kit, put it down, hit them with a the wrench, bring up the menu, use a med kit. Because I was just like losing health that fast. So I basically burned up all my resources. And then, unusually for me, I didn't quick load. I was like, wow. I'm not sure I could have actually done that any better with the resources in hand. So I just saved and carried on. So there's a neat secret involving the looking glass. When you get to the looking glass lab, you can replay some videos showing conversations between Dr. Calvino and one of his fellow researchers. And at the end of the video, if you're paying attention you can actually see that he does some funny business 
with a coffee mug and it opens a secret compartment. And you only notice this if you watch the video past the end of the normal conversation and actually kind of walk around the looking glass scene to get a different angle because it's obviously like a 3D holographic full scene. So what you can see from your normal viewpoint is not the whole thing. You can actually like walk around and get another angle. Actually, I just thought it was really neat because, you know, his emails mention a request for a coffee mug that weighs exactly 170 grams. And then if you look around the Looking Glass Lab, you can actually find his special coffee mug. And then if you've seen what happens at the end of the video, you just know to put it on this pressure plate and get, you know, what do you get? Like a key card to his room and then some neuromods? Sounds about right. Yeah, something like that. Mimic multiplication. Yes. Do you not know what I'm talking about? Mimic multiplication. <laughs> so, I think this is in Psychotronics, but it's possible I'm mixed up and this is somewhere else. There's a glass box and there's a guy in there called Aaron Ingram. And there's a computer that has a few options. One of the options is to let him out. And the other option is to commence the mimic multiplication protocol to harvest exotic material. So you can talk to this guy and he's like, oh, hey, a fellow human, let me out, man. I'm trapped in this cage. But also on the computer is his rap sheet. So you can see that he's allegedly some child rapist human trafficker. So he's like a bad person. So you should kill him and convert him into exotic materials, basically. Or okay. if you let him out, he'll open, you know, this secure storeroom for you. You're right. I've done this. But the whole idea of mimic multiplication was a no-go. So you let him out? Yeah. Yeah, I let him out too. Only because I didn't know what the other, the consequence of the other action would have been. Well, I saved my game and I tried it. What was, what happens really? If you push the button, he's like, oh, no, 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 no. And like this hatch opens and a mimic comes out and like, kills him and like crawls inside his body and then like more mimics burst out and then there's a load of mimics in this cage and then these other hatches open up and a typhon lure goes off and the mimics crawl into the tubes and then they get electrocuted and killed and then sucked into a recycler and loads of exotic material just spews out which you can obviously use to make neuromods or psi stims or whatever so it's a way to get either a lot of exotic materials or if you let him out, then thumbs up, you helped a fellow human and you get access to some other stuff. I thought he'd follow you for more of your quest. But he just stays in the room. He just stays in the room. The thing I thought was most interesting is that he's one of the inverted commas volunteers. And there's actually a biography written by him about how he joined the volunteer initiative and how he's a reformed man and how he really wants to help the furtherment of science to, you know, help mankind. But actually, he's in a cage and he's going to be, you know, slaughtered to create more exotic material. I, I thought it was pretty funny. Like, well, it's not really funny, is it? But you know, it's pretty interesting that there's a biography of him talking about how he's going to help mankind, but actually... Presumably, they just ghost wrote that for him and actually they just want him to make more mimics. Why are they using humans to do this? Why don't they use like livestock or something? Because they happen to have humans on board. 
I don't know. I think the real answer is because it's a computer game and they want some moral dilemma. It's like the trolley problem. I wonder if it would be hard if there was a cat or a dog. <laughs> yeah, you, pro- you know what? That would be really interesting to see if people behave differently if it was like a cat or a dog. You know what would be really good? If there's actually a literal instance of the trolley problem at the end of the game. I really feel... I'm hoping that's what it's foreshadowing. I, I would really like it if there is. I think that would be an amazing payoff. Are we going to do the touchscreen scare? So you haven't... You didn't get this right. Because I had to power down the room. So I didn't have access to the terminal, which would have opened the back door. Is that right? Did I get that right? Or did that... I gotta admit, I have no real recollection. Or is it in the room I, I mean, in the back? I can just describe... I can't remember exactly how I got there, but I'll describe the room for you. So I went down some stairs, and it was a private looking glass chamber. So three of the walls were looking glasses, and then there was a regular plain like metal wall and a an armchair. So it was kind of like a looking glass, like evil genius conference room or something. But the looking glass wasn't showing a 3D scene. It was literally just black. And there was a green dot that says touch. And if you read the emails on the nearby computer, it says, you know, it's an email to Dr. Calvino going, hey, Calvino, what the hell did you do to my looking glass? And the reply from Calvino is, it's just the new touchscreen calibration mode. Just touch the green dot. Stop whinging. So I walk into the room and I touch the green dot. Boop. And it moves around. So I go to another bit of the room. Touch the green dot. Boop. And I do this a few more times. Finally, for the last time, there's a green dot. I touch it and Typhon Phantom in my face, like literally Right in front of me is a Typhon Phantom and it's making the horrible Typhon Phantom screaming noise. And I was literally, oh jeez, I literally like had a heart attack or something. I jumped out my seat and I made some noise like, ah, physical spasms, swearing. But the Phantom is really present. Actually, you know what? I'm not even sure if the Phantom is really present. I think the Phantom might be in some other place and the looking glass is just showing it. Because I think I actually went, ah, and just like smashed it with a wrench and then looking class just turned off. But yeah, I really jumped. That was a cruel and unusual trick. <laughs> it's just so bad because you literally run right up to the screen and you're going, boop, 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 this is easy. And then, ah, jump scare. It was freaky. It was freaky like the teleconferencing <laughs> pistol. It was a very clever setup. When you pick up the psychoscope, do you have a flash? Like, does an image flash upon you in the same way as you when you walk through the coral? Oh, maybe. That made me jump. Not like your jump. Sounds like a lame story, Ting. Well, it was not a story. Quick, amp it up. I'm not, I'm, there's no way I can follow yours. <laughs> okay. Something we've not talked about is chipsets. You mentioned a few of your suit chipsets. Like you mentioned one that reduces stamina drain. Yeah. I actually can't remember what any of my suit chipsets are, to be honest. They're all quite unremarkable. I can remember my psychoscope chipsets. Which are? Well, to be honest, I can only really remember one of them, which is the one that detects mimics. That was life-changing. Suddenly I'm free. No longer do I have to worry about mimics in my face. Are you scanning everything for mimics? So I will walk into a room, put on the psychoscope, 
look at everything and take it off again. So yes. I think they start positioning the mimics in positions where they can't, where you can't scan. I'm pretty sure they're doing that. Yeah, they, the thing is, they know that you've got this chipset at this point in the game. Like, they definitely do dial back on the mimics for a bit. You know, for a while, you're really paranoid about mimics, and most of the enemies are mimics. Then there's a few hours of the game where they really dial back on the mimics, and it's mostly phantoms you're fighting. And then they start to put the mimics back, but in really sneaky places. Or you walk into a room and there's no mimics, but then one falls through the ceiling and replaces something. So it wasn't there when you walked in the room, but it's there when you walk out. You don't hear the... The clicking. Yeah. Well, no, you do hear the clicking. By the time you hear the clicking, it's too late. It's going to jump at you. The clicking is just like your last minute warning that, hey, watch out, you're about to get attacked. Okay. The funniest thing is that... It's not funny. It's not funny at all, really. They actually also introduce greater mimics, which are just stronger mimics. But the Psychoscope chipset can't detect greater mimics. So the other thing that will happen is you'll walk into a room, you'll scan it for mimics, no mimics, all good. Oh, no, wait, there's greater mimics. Did you find the room full of post-it notes? Yes, I did. I just thought it was really funny because I loved the post-it notes because I really love reading the lore. And I walked into this room and there were post-it notes everywhere. And I was picking things up and I was like, why can't I read this post-it note? It's like, I'm just eating these notes. And then I actually looked at it more closely in game and I realised all the post-it notes say, not a mimic. I wonder if there's one that there was an who, item. Managed, who managed to mimic the note and the cup at the same time. Yeah, I think that would be really funny if one of the post-it notes that said not a mimic was itself a mimic. But I don't think so. I don't think anything in that room is a mimic. I wasn't ready to take that chance. I didn't trust it. A couple more things. The Huntress Bolt Caster. I thought this was actually going to be a real crossbow when I first downloaded the plan. I didn't realise it was a nerf gun. It's actually really useful though. It's actually way more useful than a real crossbow would be because it activates buttons. Do you use it for any other purpose than for activating buttons? Is there any other purpose? Like, it doesn't do any damage, right? But you can tease a phantom. I suppose you could use it to get attention, yeah. But no, I'm only using it for pushing buttons. I just like, you know, to open a security door from the other side. I'm just like going to some funny angle and shooting it through the slot. You do have a lot of ammo for it. Yeah, you end up with loads of ammo. Well, at least you end up with loads of ammo if you're only using it to push buttons. So we talked about me getting leverage, but there was a time before I got leverage and I was just knocking barricades over by throwing stuff at them. This is really interesting because we both approached the problem in a different way. So you picked up items and threw items at the barricade to knock it out of the way. Yes. And then I, with my love of recycler grenades, just threw a recycler grenade and just recycled those crates. I was really surprised that the recycler grenade actually worked on them. I'm always worried these things are too effective. I'm worried that my neuromods on the other side are getting recycled. Quite possible. Did you recycle yourself? I have recycled myself by accident, yes. That made me smile when I did that. <laughs> that made me frown. <laughs> because you see the cool effect and you're just getting pulled into it. You're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> 
achievement unlocked. Yeah, it's definitely a no, 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 yes, yes. Some predictions. So, Mike, what happened to Earth? In general, I don't know. Well, in a way, like nothing's happened to Earth so far, right? But there are some intriguing books called A Survivor's Account of the Evacuation. So I found, I think, parts one and two. And they talk about things like a plane just suddenly turning into glittering dust in the air and stuff. So I was thinking, what happened? What were they evacuating from? I really want to find out what happened, like... I really want to know the backstory of that. I mean, my current speculation is like runaway nanotechnology or something. But then we haven't really seen any evidence of nanotechnology in this universe. So, don't know. Because surely it can't just be Talos 1. How would it be Talos 1? What do you mean? What do you mean? It surely can't just be Talos 1. There'll be loads of space stations out in space and it may not even be near Earth. Who knows? The impression I got was that Earth was fine, right? Because... When you wake up in your apartment, even though it's fake, it's meant to be like an apartment in San Francisco or something. So, you know, in the time frame of you living your day by day repeatedly. So four years ago, everything was fine. Yeah, I don't think anything's happened to Earth. I think, you know, you've got Talos 1 at the you know, Lagrange point near the moon doing all this super sketchy research. But Earth is fine for now like the typhons haven't got to earth and you're obviously trying to prevent that from happening but earth at the moment i think is fine okay i was going to ask you about the december storyline but you already know what happens there i do we'll talk about it next time when you know what happens too or if you don't i'll just tell you project cobalt yeah so we've both found this right there's a set of emails that refer to something called project cobalt And they talk about how Typhons have amazing powers, but they have just zero empathy because they don't have mirror neurons. I mean, really, they don't have mirror neurons because they're freaking aliens. Like, why would they have anything in common with humans, full stop? But in-game, they specifically mention mirror neurons. And they talk about the idea of, hey, rather than taking a Typhon connectome and putting it into a human, why don't we try and take human empathy like some human brain connectome and putting it into a typhon instead and that is project cobalt but what is project cobalt like what's the outcome of project cobalt because they don't they say that it hasn't been approved by alex but that morgan is interested so my speculation was something along the lines of is december like a project cobalt copy of you versus january being a human copy of you or even, are you the real Morgan Yu? Or are you a Project Cobalt copy of Morgan Yu? Like, are you a Typhon that's had Morgan's connectome imprinted on it? Because why does inserting the Typhon connectome allow you to mimic things? You know, it's like, just because you've got that stuff in your brain doesn't mean that you are a mimic. I don't know, I feel like I'm explaining this badly, but... If you put, like, a French language neuromod into a dog, 
it wouldn't be able to speak French because it doesn't have the vocal cords to speak. So if you put a mimic neuromod into a human, why would that allow it to mimic? It doesn't have the crazy quantum entangled body thing to mimic stuff. So that's why I was thinking, wait, is Morgan really a human? Or is Morgan actually a typhoon that's just got Morgan's memories? Yes, I can. I, that's something I can subscribe to. Yeah, so that is my prediction for the game, but I don't really know. And anything that's simulation within simulation is just cheap. Oh, yeah, I know. We've escaped a simulation, but it's a bigger simulation. Yeah, you're right, actually. That's actually quite a plausible outcome. But that's cheap, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. Oh, stuff like that is, is allowed. Well, whether we allow it or not, if it's the story, then it's the story. So We'll see. So that's it for predictions. And that's it for our first segment of Prey. This has been a long recording, man. We actually had a lot to say, even though good thing you didn't get <laughs> the end of Restore from Backup because we already had way too much to say. So how far are we getting for the next one? So we're going to move the checkpoint a little bit further, but we're not going to say finish the game. Jeez, now we know how long this game is. So... The new plan is to finish shipping and receiving. Get to the end of shipping and receiving. Or really, get as far as Tig manages to get. Which better be shipping and receiving. I don't know, man. We've had so much to talk about. I'm sure we'll have more than enough, no matter where you get to. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. On Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. On Twitch. And YouTube as Lost Levels Club. On Reddit. Slash r slash Lost Levels Club. Ah, oh, Sir Michael. What are you grateful for today? Strawberry crisps. Deluxe durian and coconut juice. Szechuan sauce. Szechuan sauce. We didn't even mention it. We had the Rick and Morty Szechuan sauce. It's in Hong Kong. It's not as good as you'd expect given the Rick and Morty hype. You know what's funny? There's two Szechuan sauces in Hong Kong, right? There's the teriyaki Szechuan sauce, which is the Rick and Morty hype one. And there's also Kung Pao Szechuan sauce. The Kung Pao Szechuan sauce is way nicer. It is. It actually tastes like real Szechuan peppercorn. That one's delicious. Allow the teriyaki Szechuan sauce. Jeez. Disappointment. On that note, Sir Michael says bye. Bye bye. <laughs>